Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Hi, this is Judy Sedgman, and welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. I'm here with my wonderful dear friend, Christine Heath. Oh, I said your name. Yeah, and we're glad to be with you again. We we enjoy doing these podcasts. So uh, this is a perfect way to start the one that we're doing today because we're talking about when life doesn't work out, you know, go with the flow kind of thing. And, you know, I was thinking it when years ago when I was a business consultant, uh, before I had any exposure whatsoever to the three principles and I was pretty much a stress case and very driven, I used to tell my clients Often, you know, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. And what I was trying to tell them when I would say that to them was, if you don't have a plan, you know, wherever you go is where you end up. (laughs) Well, the funny part about it is the principles kind of turned that inside out for me, because the truth is, if you do have a plan, you may never get there and you'll miss the roads that would have gotten you somewhere you might have enjoyed (laughs) just as much. So I would never say that again. Uh, I would say, you know, it's nice to have an idea of what you'd like to do, but don't get married to it. Um, Because what's really true in life is, and you learn this from the principles and understanding that being in touch with your wisdom is always kind of surprising what you come up with. And what's really true in life is wisdom is our guide. It's it's the, the capacity that we have to see beyond what we might see as a limitation and find a direction out of it. Um, But if we're trying to go over in our mind and use our intellect to find a new direction, we just keep going over things we did before and wondering why we can't just do that again. (laughs) It won't work out. And uh, and it really is the difference between um, sort of going with the flow and having an interesting and creative life and trying to force life to conform to your expectations. And even though sometimes people do succeed in forcing life to conform to their expectations, I often think they don't know what they might have missed now, as I see people going about it the other way. So I guess our purpose today is to talk about that, to talk about the, the, uh, how it is you can just relax and flow into life and accept those things that happen that we have no control over and um, and find our way through them often in creative ways that lead us to things that we weren't expecting that turn out to be wonderful. You know, it's really um, interesting how um, in, in psychology, you know, one of the things that you have to do when you see somebody for mental health counseling is you have to have a goal. You have to have goals. You know, what are the goals? And it mm-hmm. always cracks me up because I, I'm, I'm always thinking like, okay, so the goal is to be happy and healthy. Isn't it the same goal for everybody? It's not, you know, like mental health is the only one. If you go in for heart treatment, you don't have to have three goals that you're going to work towards. But the insurance companies require that because people would just go in and free flow talk about their problems and their life and kind of 
that Freudian, you know, regurgitation of whatever they're thinking. And so they said, okay, now you got to have goals. But when you think of it, like what other um, illness uh, does an insurance company require, require you to have goals and to keep the focus of the treatment on those goals they're always looking for like what's going to work to help this person, right? If this treatment doesn't work, then we try something else. You're not like looking at setting uh, the goals for what you want to work towards. And which is, you know, interesting for us because um, goals also affect the business world, right? Like uh, training and for people in business is all about setting goals, meeting your goals. And there's all this pressure behind goals, right? So Mm -hmm. there's this, way that we've we've kind of turned our ability to think about making things better if you will because that's really why people set goals into thinking you should know your future and you you can't really know what you need to do to get healthy until you start getting healthy then you can see which direction to go and the same thing is true in, in business it's like you know when people get so caught up in meeting their their uh, production goals or whatever that is, and they kind of miss the joy in their life and they're so stressed out that they hate the job, but they're meeting their goals. You know, it's kind of like life has become about meeting goals rather than seeing how to um, be more extemporaneous in life. Yeah. I've got a great story about that from business that I, I worked one time with a company that was a big sales company. And uh, the CEO was really depressed because they had kind of hit a, their sales increased a little bit every year, but it was predictable. And there was one salesman who always way exceeded the others. And he just kind of quit selling around uh, November every year to kind of took the whole holiday season off because he, he always won the prize, which was a trip to Bermuda or some such thing. So when he thought he had gotten far enough ahead of everybody else that he could take time off, he just stopped selling because he had way exceeded his goals for the year because the goals were a percentage and everybody had the same percentage. And the other salesmen never caught up to him and they got discouraged because he was on vacation all these weeks and they were still trying to sell. And the whole sales force was kind of falling apart. And and he said, I just don't know what to do about it because every year we make a business plan and we can't you know, we have to put in a reasonable expectation of our sales in the business plan. We can't just leave it open-ended. And I'm going like, well, why not? And he said, well, because, you know, if they sold a lot more, we wouldn't be prepared. I said, well, they could sell for the future. You know, they, I, I just, I didn't buy it. I said, you know, I think you're just stuck in a lot of old thinking. And he said, well, what would you do? And I said, I would just tell all the salesmen to sell to how, how to love sales and then tell them sell as much as you can. Just whatever, whatever you can do, do your best and don't look around and ask yourself, how's everybody else doing? You just sell as much as you can. So he said, uh, that's pretty weird. And I said, well, you asked me what I would do. (laughs) It is weird, but that is what I would do. And, and he's like, you know, he was very suspicious of it. But, you know, uh, about six months later, he called me up and he said, you know, I, I couldn't get that off my mind. You know, you're, you're saying that you would just tell them to do the best they can. And I realized that salespeople are people people. 
and they really love to sell. They, they enjoy the process if they don't get it on their mind about whether they're doing well enough. And then when they start thinking about whether they're doing well enough, they don't do as well because they're thinking about themselves and not the customer. So I thought, well, all right, for one year, we'll give it a shot. And I said, how's it going? And he said, amazing. He said, we're six months into the new year and they've already exceeded last year's sales and everybody's selling more, including the guy that used to quit because he had already reached his goal (laughs) because he loves to sell too. And they, and they're having a good time together because they're not so competitive. And I said, really? And I said, well, that's good that sometimes weird things work out. (laughs) But anyway, they, as far as I know, they did that. I don't know if they're still doing it because it was years ago, but they were doing it for a long time and their company was just going gangbusters. And, and then the idea is that when people enjoy what they're doing and they feel no pressure to do it a certain way or to perform to a certain level. Now, if you had somebody that hated sales and just took it as a job, they wouldn't last, you know, because in that environment, the best they could do wouldn't be good enough. Mm-hmm. But he had really good salespeople that loved the, loved the product and it was a good product and they enjoyed what they did and they enjoyed each other and it worked out. And I, and I think that that's, that's a good way to look at life. You know, do the best you can at what you love to do. Don't do things you don't love to do, you know, unless you're, you know, desperately need to get a job for a short period of time to, in between things. But, you know, as a life process, fulfill your, be happy, be happy and fulfilled, and then it'll work out. Mm-hmm. But you don't necessarily know what is going to work out. You know, you just know that I want to be happy and fulfilled. You know, it's funny. My very first job um, when I was in college (laughs) was selling tax-sheltered annuity to teachers. I didn't even know what a tax-sheltered annuity was. Like, that was like (laughs) a a word bigger than my vocabulary had, I think, at the time. But yet (laughs) I was doing it, right? So I'd go after, and it was like, I was at the University of Minnesota, and they had a bus strike. So I had to hitchhike downtown to work. It was it was quite an ordeal, but I uh, had to drop a chemistry because I had such a low grade. And so I had to go get a job because I didn't have enough credits. So I take the bus downtown and I would sell my things. And I was like the second top seller. And I thought, <laughs> oh, that's really interesting. So then the, the, the uh, owner decides he's going to make it competitive. So uh-huh. the... the uh, uh, was for one month that we could sell and whoever won the, at the end of one month got a dinner at this really fancy restaurant downtown. As soon as I got into that competition, my sales went down. I was the lowest, lowest seller in the group. So I had to go to the boss and say, um, could you take me out of the competition, please? Because I don't know why, but I just can't make a sale. It's just, and there was something like in me knew that there was mm-hmm. some, it was something I just couldn't get into that. When I got competitive, I would get so insecure, but mm-hmm. I knew that I just had to get out of the competition. I'd be fine again, which is what happened. And it, it's just kind of fascinating to me when I look back at it, how the wisdom I had about that, because as mm-hmm. soon as I started thinking about what I needed to do and how many I had to get it, all that feeling literally changed my job into something that I didn't like. And then I didn't do very well. Yeah, you know, isn't that interesting how we are as people, though, because when you look at it from the perspective of the principles, it's just insecurity. 
as soon as there's there's a specific goal or you're in competition with other people and you start looking at them and wondering what they know that you don't know and you start thinking about yourself, you lose touch with the moment and with the joy of the job and with just doing uh, you know, what comes naturally and being responsive to the client. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, you know, when I was in business, I, w- I needed to buy a printer. I needed to buy a really massive printer for our office because we had, we printed a lot of documents at that time. And, and uh, our, every printer we'd had broke down because it wasn't, you know, industrial enough. <laughs> and so it was going to be a big investment. And I, uh, I mentioned it to several printer companies and said if they had some a machine that could do the work, I'd be willing to talk to their salesman. And it was a really kind of eye-opening experience to me because I ended up buying a printer from this young guy who didn't really know too much about the printer. He kept having to get the book out and look things up when I asked questions. But he had seen it work and he was in love with the thing. He was so impressed with this printer. And he's he's telling me, look, you know, I'll take you somewhere where one of my clients has one. There's somebody like right downtown and we can go look at it. You will not believe it just keeps pumping the stuff out and takes so much paper and has all this, you know, ink choices and blah, blah, blah. And he's going on and on about this printer is just indestructible. And, <laughs> and his enthusiasm was just mind blowing. Mm-hmm. And um, and yet, you know, he didn't really know you know, how often it needed service or all these, you know, little technical details that clients always ask about. And the other two salesmen that came in were like uh, completely going to push their printer. You know, they were like giving me the benefits before they even told me how much space it took up. And um, I ended up buying from the guy that didn't know too much about his printer because I did go with him. I was just so intrigued by him telling me about this printer then I went with him to go look at the one. It was like 10 minutes away to go look at the one that his his customer was using. And the customer was all excited about it too. And I'm watching this thing just churn out reports. And I'm thinking like, yeah, that's what we need. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, what sold me on that printer, either the other two may have been equally good and they are better. But what sold me on that printer was the absolute enthusiasm and um, fun that that salesman was having talking about that printer. That's right. And I often think that, you know, when we, I think one of the reasons this is kind of personal, but one of the reasons people like our podcasts is because we have fun doing them. Yeah. You know, we don't feel any pressure to perform and Chris and I are not competing and and we're just really good friends. And I always learn from her and I love listening to her talk and, and, uh, you know, and, and so we, we don't, uh, you know, and if people, get something out of it, we're thrilled. And if they don't, they don't. And, yeah. uh, you know, and that's kind of like the same thing we're talking about. You can live your life from that space where it's not about performance and it's not about meeting expectations or competing with other people. And even in sports, you know, I so many people, when you listen to the greats talk, they say, I play for the love of the game or I just love ice skating or I just love running and the people that feel pressure or their coaches all over them or whatever they they don't they don't do as well yeah yeah you know that's uh, the I think part of the thing um in our lifetime is that because we're old right so like a lot of our friends are getting older like my my Hanaid Hanaid is like 
kind of adopted brother, um's uh wife called me up and uh she was she just she lost her daughter uh, a few months ago to leukemia and um she was feeling kind of depressed about it and i said oh how about we get somebody for you to talk to and we can just help you to find your health again she goes oh, you could do that oh that's so nice i said i know this is what i do isn't this great so wonderful to be able yeah. to able to regain their balance but stuff happens in life that we didn't set as goals you know like children day like my my middle uh, son uh, died of leukemia her daughter died of leukemia it's not natural to have a child die before you it's the pits of life and sometimes mm -hmm. we go through the pits of life and when you when you're so focused on your goal and then life throws you a curveball if you don't go with the flow and make the change you start to suffer because it's almost like the goal you set was attached to your well-being mm -hmm. and so if you didn't meet that goal or if your life doesn't go the way you think it should or the way you expected it to then it's like it's over like you know mm -hmm. my life is over and what can i do and um we yeah. feel sorry for ourselves and i mean when stuff happens to us we all feel sorry for ourselves believe me it's it is like why does this happen to me and how uh, you know why didn't why didn't it happen to me why did it happen to them you know it's like as you yeah. get older people say like I don't want my son to have to go through this I, let me die instead those kinds of things yeah. but if you just see that life is a process of things happening and you're getting through it with as much grace and a uh, sense of security as you can is possible. Then when you go through these things, you don't get stuck in them. But otherwise, you either get stuck in, in the trauma of what just happened that threw off your, your planning and your goals, or you don't make new ones, right? You're still like feeling bad about the old ones as if somehow God made the goals for you and now you can't achieve them. So you're a failure as a human being. But I think that part of, part of life is... Um, like, okay, you know, I often think about, um, like entrepreneurs are particularly good at this, I think, because mm -hmm. they're people that don't get attached to doing things a certain way. They want to do something, but they're also open to doing anything. Like people, sometimes people that run restaurants, they have like in their lifetime, several different kinds of restaurants, not the same one trying to make it work, mm -hmm. but they try different things. Right. So I often think that life is like, you know, those children's books that are like pop up books where you open the book and the little town pops up and then you turn the page and something else pops up. Well, your goals and your plan is just a pop up. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if it doesn't work, you just shut it down and another one will pop up. And it's allowing yourself to see that that just because you thought it doesn't mean it's accurate. Just because you thought it doesn't mean it's a good idea. Just because you thought it doesn't mean it's going to happen. You know, it's right. like kind of wishful thinking, right? So it, yeah. it's like you have to see where is life taking me and mm -hmm. how do I want to go with the flow here? What do I want to do along the way? I had a, 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 another story that came to mind when you were talking about the pop-up book because I, I did a lot of work for several years with um, veterans with PTSD working with a county program that <clears throat> was uh, to keep them out of jail, basically. And um, I had this one guy in, in my 
group. And one of the things I noticed about all of them is that they were very focused on what they'd lost, you know, because most of them had had injuries or they'd had trauma that they couldn't get past associated with war. And they, uh, and they just felt like, you know, before I went in the service, I was going to do this and going to do that. And I was a football player. I was this or that. And now I, you know, I can't do any of the things I thought I was going to do. And they brood a lot. So they brood about the losses and the things that they don't have and the things they can't do anymore. Well, I had this one uh, person in my group that was, uh, he had traumatic brain injury, TBI. And one of the things with that is that people end up with a very short attention span. It's really hard for them to focus on a project, for example. And he had been a, um, he had been a chef. He had gone to culinary school and he had been a chef and quite a promising chef. And um, so he, you know, was going to, he had this plan that he was going to become a master chef and, you know, be on television and open restaurants and all of these things. And with his traumatic brain injury, he couldn't do it anymore because he couldn't focus on these complex recipes and all these various things. So he had spent time hanging out with his buddies at a bar and uh, he thought the bar food there was terrible. You know, they served quick, quick, quick stuff, you know, like chicken tenders and hamburgers and pork pull sandwiches and things like that. And he, it was just awful. And he thought, you know, I, I could do that because that doesn't require much focus. You know, I just still takes a few minutes to put together a hamburger and they just don't know how to cook. So he, he got a job there as a short order cook. And it got the reputation as having the best bar food in town because he took the same skill that he had to really know how, you know, he knew how to cook. He knew how to get things right off the griddle in time and not burn them or not undercook them. And he knew how to season things. And he just started producing great bar food. And he was so proud of himself that he, you know, he completely forgot about the TBI. At some point, he just thought, oh, wow, you know, I've got a whole new calling here. Yeah, that's that's a great story because, you know, whether you lose a partner in life or whether you lose a limb or you uh, one of your faculties, you know, like as you get older, you can't hear as well. And you just have to learn how to make adjustments as life comes along. But if you're going toward the positive and you're going towards really listening to your wisdom, you'll come up with something to do. You always will come up with something to do. And that's kind of like in, in mental health work, that's the, the deal is like uh, if you get focused too much on meeting the goal, people get like so focused on fixing what's wrong with them that they don't get an insight. If they get an insight, they change so dramatically in the moment that your treatment plan just went out the window. Yeah. You know, that's, it, it, it's, that's the problem is that we're only making up our goals and our our plans for life based on what we see at the present moment in our life, given our level of consciousness, given what we know. And gosh, we don't want to live with that. It's like the new and fresh that comes in every day creates something different. And that's the fun of life is to be able to really kick your heels up and do something that's brand new and you get a new thought about. That's the key. The key is reinvention and listening to your wisdom, not listening to your past and saying, well, I can't do that anymore. 
mm-hmm. you know, because we can, we have no idea what we can do. You know, I always think of Grandma Moses who started painting when she was in her 90s and she became a famous artist. I don't think she was famous for anything before that. So yeah. she spent the last 10 years of her life becoming a famous artist. Yeah. And uh, who knew? So mm-hmm. there's always something. There's always something around the corner. There's always something your wisdom will bring to you when you can quiet down and listen for that instead of brooding about what you don't have. It's the magic, isn't it? The magic of yeah. life. Yeah. And with that, we should yep. say all for today. Okay. Bye-bye. See you next week, everybody. We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com. 